This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Naguna Tool. Back again with you guys for another show for another episode of our Raw Reaction series where we react to the latest Arsenal news, matches, transfer, speculation, etc, etc. And Arsenal are getting very, very close to resuming. It's, I don't know if it's just the fact that now obviously working around football every single day and that when the international break arrives, it's felt longer for me this one. It's felt utterly, utterly so draining, just clawing through each day, waiting for Arsenal to return. It's really kind of frustrated, and uh, especially, of course, being in lockdown. Although, saying that, if you are in the UK, things have loosened ever so slightly as of today, the 29th of, of March. So if you are in the UK and you're enjoying uh, the lessened restrictions that we've now got, uh, I hope you're having a great time. Um, but uh, in terms of Arsenal, still a little bit of a wait uh, before we get them back uh, five more days until Saturday when we play Liverpool in the evening, uh, which is going to be a interesting tie, it's fair to say, <laughs> uh, as both teams have had a real difficult time this season. It's kind of the the Battle of the Noobs is uh, <laughs> how I would describe it. I've been watching a lot of Soviet Wombo, if you if you don't watch, he's arguably my favourite YouTuber. And uh, he's so bad at, at computer games sometimes that whenever he comes up against someone that he can't beat in a one-on-one, the Battle of the Noobs is, is how it's described. And I kind of look at that as Arsenal right now. <laughs> so you can hashtag that in the chat. Um, but today we're going to talk a little bit about Looking even further and beyond Saturday, and I'll talk to you a bit about, obviously, the schedule for this week and as we lead up to Saturday's game as we get back into the swing of club football. Um, But we're going to talk a little bit today about the summer, about Arsenal's kind of transfer targets as Liverpool are linked today with a a likely move for Ibrahima Kamnate from RB Leipzig. The transfer window is hotting up for the summer. Things are moving, things are happening. So I think it's about time we had a little bit of a chat about it. So the premise of the show is basically talking about where we prioritise things and how we should prioritise different positions on the pitch for Arsenal to go out and sign because we have the makings of a decent squad here. We have the makings of kind of the areas of the pitch that you would hope 
can turn into something good. You look at the likes of Kieran Tierney, you look at Gabriel, you look at our forward line, you look at Pepe and how they're getting forward, you look at Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe and these young guys. You've got experienced figures in the team as well with Partey and Xhaka and, and Aubameyang and, and Lacazette, who we still don't know what's going on with those guys. And, and the more we think about it, maybe they're going to end up staying. We've got a situation at centre-back where we've got some young guys coming back from loan in Mavropanos and Saliba. You've got a decision to make on David Luiz. We've got to make a decision at goalkeeper because Matt Ryan's going to go back to Brighton or I think his contract may be up very, very soon. Um, but we've got to make a, a kind of decision there. And there's there's kind of these different areas of the pitch that we need to look at in regards to where we prioritise our money because depending on how Arsenal sell players this summer is going to have a huge impact on how much capacity Arsenal have to spend in the transfer market. The pandemic has hit everyone, but as a club like Arsenal that relies quite heavily on either the small amounts of investment that we've got over the last couple of years from the owners and, of course, from player sales and revenue and match day funding, which just has not been available to us, the fact that Arsenal had to take out a huge loan to kind of deal with the every everyday goings-on at the club, nothing to do with transfers, shows you the situation the club's in. So we are going to need to sell and to be able to spend quite a bit of money this summer. I still expect us to be able to spend, even if we weren't necessarily able to to sell too many players. But it's going to have a it's going to have a big impact on how many. And the first situation is decide on the position. So the chat box tell me what are your positions that you think Arsenal should really be targeting this summer. You can go for as many as you like. <laughs> Try not to be comedic and be as serious as you can. I know it's tempting. Um, but what positions did you think that Arsenal need to be looking at? Feel free to put them in your kind of priority list and then we're going to run through them and talk about each position individually over the next few minutes or so. While you're getting that in the chat, just to give you a heads up about this week's kind of itinerary. Tomorrow, of course, as always, 5pm UK time, I'll be joined by a guest for the Let's Talk Arsenal show. I'm very happy to say I'm going to be joined by Lee Judges. And me and Lee are going to have a little bit of a chat uh, about the goings-on, getting back into club football, how we see the end of the season panning out. So make sure you tune in for that one, 5pm tomorrow. On Wednesday, Wednesday's obviously our early morning show for our Eastern listeners, because obviously I work later in the evenings on a Wednesday. So there's going to be a show for you guys going out on that. Hopefully some fun stuff to talk about regarding Arsenal news and probably the lead-up to the Liverpool game. Thursday is the genuine preview for the Liverpool game. I'm going to be joined by a couple of members. So I'll be sounding out some of our expert members in the Discord server to see who wants to come on for the Liverpool preview. Friday, of course, is the normal LTA show. And then Saturday is the match. And I should be, fingers crossed, as, as things go, joining Hugh Wizzy for the watch-along. And then I'll be straight on here after the game to get your thoughts. So let's get your thoughts in the chat box. What positions do you think we should be looking at? Karthik says, right back, a partner for Thomas Partey. Erdogan or an attacking midfielder, a backup left back. I will actually be very happy with that in this pandemic hit world. Gary Hardy says striker all depends on Lacazette and Eddie. Centre mid is a must and so is cover at left back and goalkeeper. Attacking midfield depends on if we can get Erdogan back on loan with a buy option and right back also depending on whether Bellerin leaves. Big sell, very simple answer. Just centre midfield. That's all he wants sorted. <laughs> Matt Armchair AF says, are you going to do an ins and outs video? I probably will at some point. And when we've got the rebranding and the new look of the channel, so the tactical breakdown show is going to come back. I've been holding off on doing tactical breakdowns because I want to kind of come in with a bit of a bang with those when we get the new branding and the new images and everything right. So 
stay patient. It's coming. I'm looking forward to showing you. We're on the final. We're on the final straights of getting this. And I've been saying that for a little bit, but the music is getting sorted, and it's going to look great. I really hope it's going to look fantastic when it gets sorted. So yeah, tactical break. Now we'll be back, and we'll do an ins and outs video uh, when it does. Sam Trester says right back, defensive midfield, and attacking midfield. Omar says striker, attacking midfield, right back, back up, left back to Kieran Tierney. And a goalkeeper. Interesting that you don't say backup goalkeeper. I think I see where you're going with that, Omar. Uh, Christian says, Bellerin should no longer be a debate. He is the third best right back at the club, and we should have binned him years ago. Very harsh. <laughs> uh, Juan Felipe Palacio Rivera says, Cam, DM, left back, uh, right back, I assume that is. Striker, Louise out and Bellerin out. Peter Renner says, right back, uh, backup left back, two centre midfielders to replace Danny Sabas and Elneny, an attacking midfielder and maybe a striker if players leave. George Davies, I'm skipping through some of these, sorry if, you, if you've had yours missed. Um, George Davies says, uh, backup goalkeeper, backup left back, right back, defensive midfield, attacking midfield, left wing or striker, and another centre midfielder if we can, but seven signings will be push pushing it all, depends on sales. Now, We've kind of covered that in terms of positions then. And you the kind of the general consensus is the ones that are coming to my mind are centre midfield. A partner for Thomas Partey is really key. Attacking midfield, be that Erdegaard or another player. You then look at a backup left back, a backup goalkeeper, a right back, and maybe a striker, depending on the situation that happens this summer with Lacazette or Aubameyang, if we renew them, if we, if we get Balogun kept, if we decide what we do with Martinelli. There's lots of different things we need to consider. The next situation is we need to think about what the priority is. So of all of those positions you've thrown into the chat box, I want to know which you could pick one and only one position that needs to be addressed. Which one and why? That's the key part of this is I want to know your reasons as to why that position is the most important one for next season. If Arsenal do a better check and we can only sign one player next summer, which position do you think is the priority that we should go for? And I want to know your reasons why. And then I'll go into the reasons as to why, what position I think is ultimately the most important. Let's get a few more of your comments in regards to the more general stuff, and then we'll go into your reasonings. Uh, Daniel Roberts says, I really don't see why we need a right back. I would be happy with Portugal's number one assist king and Callum Chambers as cover for next season. Um, Lewis Kiriakou says, sorry, 100%. Erdegaard is the number one priority next season. Uh, ben Fawcett says, Erdegaard and a DM and Erdegaard again as he counts twice. <laughs> there you go. Sam Chester says, the priority should be a defensive midfielder. We need more control in midfield and allow Partey to venture forward to unlock his full potential so looking at someone to kind of be a little bit more disciplined a little bit more reserved at the back is what Sam is feeling is his kind of number one area of the pitch Christian says Erdogan improve that starting lineup if you bring in Erdogan you've got a player that can be in our number one team going forward for the next several few years he has been an absolute hit since he's arrived he's been brilliant I think a lot of us love him there's a lot of people that are stubborn that may not but I certainly love Love him to pieces, it's fair to say. I never really, I genuinely never thought the impact he'd have would be this great. I thought it was a bit of a savvy signing. We bring in someone in that's got a few questions surrounding him, but he has really, really smashed it since he's come in. Uh, Sowa says another defensive midfielder. Matt G says centre midfield. We need strength in our midfield. Partey is great, but when he's out, the dip in quality is huge. And that's a really key point because if you say don't go out, 
and you don't go and sign a centre midfielder in the summer and you only manage to get kind of the, the, the cam position, you're left with Partey, Xhaka, Elneny. You've got Joe Willock coming back, Mainsley coming back. And anyone else, you're looking at thinking Aziz is coming through the youth, but he's very, very young still. I think he's only just turning 18 very soon, if you're not already. And he's still very raw. And I know that he's a very highly rated product, and we have to think about that. But it's I'm just not quite sure if that's enough depth. And if Partey gets injured like he has this season quite a lot, that centre midfield position becomes very, very vulnerable all of a sudden. George Davis says, for me, we need Samare to partner Partey. Of course, Samare is currently at Lille, who produced some very good centre midfielders, as they see with Ives Basuma, who went off to Brighton. Somebody picks up the ball from the centre-backs and... Uh, sorry, your comments just disappeared off my screen. Somebody picks up the ball up from the centre-backs and plays between the lines, getting the ball into the attack quickly and has a tall and strong frame. Uh, Karthik says, Tom, do you think Charlie Patino, our youngster, I think he's only 16 still, will be a good partner for Partey? Uh, by the time that Patino, I think, is kind of knocking on the door of the first team, Karthik, I think Partey is going to be 30 plus. So I'm not sure if we can think about it that early. There's a lot of pressure that we put on our kids very quickly. You see it with Aziz, you saw it with Balogun, you see it now with Patino. We need to rein ourselves in a bit, I think, in regards to these youngsters. Yes, he's a special talent. But let's not rush things with these young guys and let them develop at their own pace. Our good friend Raf uh, says, depends on if we are counting Erdogan. If not, then it's attacking midfield, in my opinion. If that's not done, then I'd prefer a centre midfield signing. Uh, Matt Armchair AF says, I'm surprised about your Genduzi stance. The kid has so much passion that Spurs' performance showed me uh, that if you channel him correctly, he could be a beast. I'd have him backing up Partey. And... Fair enough, Matt. I mean, you're entitled to opinion, as am I. I just, I'm not a big fan of the guy. I don't like his attitude. I think it'd be very difficult to channel his attitude. The amount of times that certain coaches have tried to channel plenty of players that we think about as players that have got a bit of an attitude problem, and it's still never really worked out. That's not to say that you're generalizing and it means that Gendouzi is going to go that way. It just means it's an incredibly difficult job to try and channel someone that can be a little bit of a rebel into someone that can be really direct in what they need to do. I also think that he's quite flawed as a player, makes a few mistakes on the pitch, and he's done that at Hertha Berlin since moving there too. He caused the goal against RB Leipzig by giving the ball away in the box. And it's just stuff like that, I think, that um, he doesn't. he's not better than Granit Xhaka. So why, why give him the time of day when you can move him on, get a good fee, and bring someone else in that is as good as, if not better, than Granit Xhaka at the club? Um, Yonick says Tom despises King Genduzi because he's told his manager to do one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's all personal, Yonick. It's just personal. Can't stand the guy because you know he's, he doesn't trust the process. That's that's all what it is. That's purely what it is. Um, Daniel Roberts says, Did you see Arsenal's under 23s losing 6 1 to England's under 10s? <laughs> uh, I didn't see the I didn't see the game, no. Um, I think it was the under 19s, as you've corrected yourself there. Um, no, our, our kind of academy team has been like dropping down the league, dropping down the positioning. It's it's something that needs to be addressed. Um, and there's a big job for Pair Metazaka at the academy and Steve Bold is running the under-23s. It's it's not good enough. Um, we've got some really cool talents coming through, but it's it's seemingly not showing too much fruitfulness in terms of the performances on the pitch. Uh, Ecal says, Tom, do you believe we will get all that we need? Not counting my chickens on this one yet. I know my club. If we get them all, it will be a miracle. And the thing is, this is an important part of this discussion around what's the priority. Because 
the priority becomes more important depending on how many players we actually believe that we can get at Arsenal. If I can't picture, in a perfect world, Arsenal will go out and get six players in, in the positions we need, and yeah, fantastic stomach. But the fact of the matter is, is that Arsenal, we know what they're capable of and what they do. That isn't really an Arsenal style to do things. We don't go out and sign six players that are all first team quality starters. We might sign two or three and then sign three players that are squad players. Or we might sign a couple of players on loan. But we don't go out and sign, like we don't do what Chelsea did last summer. We just That's just not very Arsenal. We might spend. I'm not saying that we don't spend. But we spend really poorly. And we've only started to kind of change that over the recent kind of, well, last couple of summers, I suppose. So that's that's something that we need to think about. So how many realistically, how many realistically in terms of numbers in the chat, be interesting to get your thoughts, do you genuinely believe we will go out and, get, and be able to get? What's a realistic number? And I'm talking about first team starters, not... And when I say first-team starters, that's that also counts the backup left-back, the backup goalkeeper. Do you think we're going to do those things? Because that's what's important. When you look at the positions, are Arsenal going to get a centre midfielder, an attacking midfielder? Could be Erdegaard. Are they going to get a right-back? Are they going to get a backup left-back, a backup keeper, possibly a striker? What are we realistically expecting from this? It's really difficult to kind of think that we're going to go out and do something like that. Um, Thapello says, Tom, what do you think of Zeki Celic uh, 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 at Lille? Don't know too much about him, but he looks like quite a good right back. Yeah, the Turkish international right back from Lille, uh, mid 20s. I put him in one of my pieces about kind of five right backs that could maybe uh, be someone that Arsenal could look to sign. I think it would be a savvy signing. I think it would be one that not many fans maybe will get on, on top of and be that enthusiastic about. Um, but I think it would be savvy. And I think it's one that maybe would be quite not necessarily quite cheap but in terms of like the context of how much players are going for at the moment i think maybe we'd be able to get him in on a reasonable fee so i'll put him on a list for a reason so yeah i do rate him i think he's quite good um balaji says three players center mid attacking midfield and a fullback uh ed welch says three permanents and one loan arsenal granny says three omar says three uh christian says three uh there's so many people thinking it's going to be around three, which I think is probably about right in regards to kind of starters. When we're looking at starters in Arsenal, you're looking at a fee between 25 million and upwards of that into the 40s, 50s, 60s for kind of your one player that we did last summer in Partey. It depends on who we sell. The difference between this summer and last summer is that we have a lot more capacity to sell players. The number of players that we could move on is much more lengthy. You look at Lucas Torreira, Matteo Genduzzi, Hector Bellerin, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Joe Willock, Eddie Nketiah, Mohamed Elneny, Callum Chambers. Like, there's a lot more that we can move on. Alexandra Lacazette, possibly. There are Willia. <laughs> there is some player. We've got plenty of kind of players at the club that we are expendable to us and that we can look to move on. When we come down to do some of our ins and outs episodes, which I know a few of you have asked for, we will end up looking at that. I don't really like putting price tags next to players, and I'm not going to do that. But what we can do is have a look at kind of the players that we're suggesting will leave. I don't like putting price tags next to things, so I don't think anyone realistically can have a guess at how much they're worth. I see people going, oh, 20 million for Genduzi. I'm sorry, but he's got a year left on his deal and Herta Berlin don't want to buy him. Good luck getting 20 million for him. That's the thing is I think that the kind of perception about how much players are worth is so broad across so many different people. It's really difficult to kind of nail down that sort of things. Carlito says is a good question. Is Xhaka expendable? My argument to say that Xhaka isn't expendable is 
Whilst I think Arsenal should upgrade upon him, no question about it. Absolutely no question. The issue is, is that Arsenal shouldn't be looking at Xhaka as the first port of call. You're gonna get you're gonna lose Danny Sabas because he's leaving on uh, from the finish of his loan. We should be looking to move on El Nenny, really, because he's not that great. Thanks for the goal against Olympiacos. Really appreciate. We should be looking to move on Genduzi because he's not better than Granite Xhaka. So we should be looking to move those guys on. Granite Xhaka is a solid midfielder that, yes, has a mistake in him, but if you were to think about him at Partey and say a Basuma or someone at that level, that's a really good kind of combination of three players that can rotate or you don't even have to rotate them. Basuma and Partey could play a whole season. Fantastic. But say Basuma is injured or the African Cup of Nations comes up, then we might need a Granite Xhaka to still be here. I know people don't like him and you're entitled to that opinion, but I don't think it's a smart move to get rid of him at this point in time. I just... I'm just not on that trail of thought because in context of what we're able to do, yeah, let's go out and sign a centre midfielder. But that centre midfielder shouldn't be to replace Granite Xhaka. It should be to replace and upgrade upon El Elneny to the point that it's a player that also upgrades upon Granite Xhaka. But it elevates us to a level where they become the second choice or even first choice centre midfielder above Partey, if that's even possible. But yeah, that's the issue. And then we've got the issue also of a player coming back in Lucas Torreira. What do we do with him? Because he has barely played at Atletico Madrid this season. Say what you like about what the reasoning behind that is, why they haven't played him. Is it intentional? All alleged speculation. But we've got to make a decision on him. Could he get into the first team? Could he give us something? Is he able to give us anything before his contract runs up? Does he want to be here? If he doesn't, let's see if we can get as much money for him as feasibly possible. Edwell says Xhaka will have to sign a new deal then as his contract is running down uh, and Yannick is having nightmares about it. Yes, he is. Uh, Thabella says, what do you think about Mikel Moreno from Sociedad? I think he'd be a good Xhaka replacement. Again, Thabella, you've been reading my articles, mate, because he's another person that I've written about and saying that, yeah, he's definitely someone. I think he'd be expensive. I think you're looking at 30 million plus to bring him in. Um, but as a 24-year-old Spanish centre midfielder, Spanish international, really good going forwards and backwards as a number eight kind of hybrid six-eight kind of player, is yeah, really, really solid player. And I think someone that Arsenal should look at, to be honest. Um, Matt Armchair AF says Basuma and Xhaka for DM Partey and Genduzi has got to box. That means you get a free replacement for Savas and Genduzi and can sell El Nenny. Remember that Genduzi just has a single year left on his contract as well. So that's something that we certainly need to think about. Uh, let's scroll up a bit more. Uh, Euro says, if we manage to sell all of the Deadwood, we are probably looking at about 80 to 100 million pounds. Wow. If we manage to get 80 to 100 million pounds in, I would be staggered. Uh, absolutely staggered. Um, I don't imagine it would be all in one summer. I reckon that clubs would want to do either uh, loans of obligations or staggered payments as well. So it doesn't necessarily mean that just because you get that money in that you get it all at once, which is also something that you need to consider at the same time. Uh, D. Sean says, uh, do you think Saliba or Mavropanos have a spot in the team next season? Yes, I think one of them does. I think it's probably going to be Saliba. I think that Mavropanos is probably going to go. It might be on loan. It might be permanently, but you can't really have both of them. Because the issue when you've got both of them is that one of them is probably not going to be playing, if at all. And when you're at that age, they both need to be playing and developing and getting better, and they're going to want to play. So one of them is going to have to go, either temporarily or permanently. And either way, I think it's a plus It's a plus for us. Because you're getting a young player with a lot of potential, and the other one you can make a bit of money for, or you're seeing them develop to even kind of raise their stock further for a possible sale or to come back and play. So... That's that's the thing. Saeed says, what do you think about a possible Sander Berg uh, to be the centre midfielder? 
This side, very honestly, I have absolutely no idea how good Sanderberg would be in this team because there's been times where Chris Wilder's not wanted to put Sanderberg in Sheffield United's team. Now, I don't think that's necessarily down to Sanderberg. I think that's more down to his loyalty to some other players that have helped him get promotion to the Premier League and part of the reason why he eventually got the sack. Sanderberg is a good player. He's a very good player. He's an international player. I just don't know if he is necessarily the right kind of player that comes into Arsenal and is what we need. Is he is he better than Granite Xhaka? No, he's, he's not. Not right now. Could he be? I'm sure he probably could be. Is he more mobile than Granite Xhaka? No. Does he move the ball any quicker than Granite Xhaka? No, he doesn't. And when I'm asking myself these questions, that's where, I, that's where I'm struggling. Could he in the future? Yeah, for sure. 100%. But the thing is right now is that I want to bring in players that are going to improve on what we have. I think Basuma improves on what we have. I think Mikel Moreno improves on what we have. I think Fabian Ruiz improves on what we have. That's what we need to be looking at doing, and that's the most difficult thing that we've got to kind of focus on right now. Uh, Sam says, Tom, why haven't we tried Chambers at DM? Because I don't think that's his position. <laughs> and that's a really cop-out answer, Sam. I think that a lot of people kind of got a bit obsessed with the whole player of the season at Fulham and really kind of hung their th thoughts that he could do that at Arsenal. I don't think he can. I think that if you look at a club like Fulham that were relegation fodder that season, that were under intense pressure, that were basically playing Chambers as a unorthodox third centre-back, just sweeping in front of the back four or back five, it, I just struggle to think that that would work for Arsenal. I don't think it, it works in the same way. Uh... Karthik says, Tom wants instant impact, chat. Yes, you're spot on, mate. That's what we need next season is we need instant impact. We've got an opportunity to go for the top four next season. And we should. That should be our target. And by signing 22-year-old like people that are, and I'm not talking about Erdogan here, but players that are going to take a bit of time to develop and that aren't better than what we've got, that's not what we need next season. We need to be signing players that are going to have an immediate impact. You're 24 to 27, 28-year-olds that are going to come in and impact the trip, the team and improve on what we've got so that we progress. The only way that you improve as a team is if you bring in better players that you already have. Yes, you might be able to bring in players that will one day be better than what we've currently got, but that doesn't have the instant impact that we are going to need next season. Uh, Belagia says, hey, Tom, uh, do you think someone, uh, do you think about someone like Florian Neuhaus at Gladbach can be a transformative signing like Partey? Less so because Neuhaus, again, is a young player that has got a lot more developing to do. He's very, very good. I rate him very, very highly. A lot of the recommendations of Drew, our resident Bundesliga expert, um, and the fact that he can play as kind of an advanced eight or as a 10. But I'd rather we went for an Erdogan, someone that's already integrated, someone that's proven themselves, someone that we know that is already associated and transitioned and is comfortable. That's why I think that Erdogan is arguably a transformative player for us if we're to sign him permanently. I genuinely believe the, the potential to play with both Smith Rowe and Erdogan in the long term is something that should excite the Arsenal. MJ Marshall says, What about Sabaitza? Sabaitza is looking like he's going to be off this summer, but with the likes of Liverpool arguably chasing his transfer, would we be able to outcompete Liverpool? Maybe if we win the Europa League. Do I want Sabaitza? I'm a big fan of the guy. Of course I am. He plays for one of the Red Bull clubs. <laughs> so obviously I like him. But I just don't think he's better than Erdogan. I don't, or not necessarily better. He's probably on par with him right now. 
But when you consider a 22-year-old Erdogan, 27-year-old Sabaitza, I think that the obvious choice is to, is to carry on with Erdogan with what we've got. I think that makes... If we can't get him, then sure, Sabaitza is a good option. And he's he's uh, he's flexible and he's versatile and he can play in other positions. But yeah, I would prefer would prefer an Erdogan type of player. Uh, Tawana says, have you had a look at Gerson at Flamengo? He is left-footed, more mobile than Xhaka and young. I think he is potential Xhaka replacement that will allow transition while Xhaka is still here. I'm aware of Gerson. He's already had some time in Europe. He was previously with Roma. We actually covered him on a transfer tactical breakdown in 2019, I think, or maybe even 2020. Um, and obviously his, his time in Europe with Roma didn't go amazingly well, and that's why he went back to Brazil, but he is developed more since then and he looks a decent player there's always the risk though that signing a player from south america doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a huge success in england and it's a bit of a risk because the leagues are so different but you look at someone like pablo marie how he has transitions exceptionally well and there are other examples of players he has so yeah possibly he could be kind of an alternative option but then i would say is he better than granite jacker is he as good as granite jacker i'm not so sure and that's that's the big kind of sticking point for me on players I'm looking at players like Fabian Ruiz, like these guys that are the archetypal player that we need. That's better than Granit Xhaka. Go out and sign a Fabian Ruiz type. You might not be able to sign specifically him. He might not be attainable. But someone like Mikel Moreno is also attainable and I think is as good, if not slightly better, than Granit Xhaka. That's that's the thing. A Basuma is also someone that I look at and rate exceptionally highly. Uh, Big Celt says, what about John Jordan? Do you rate him? I think he's bang average. <laughs> I do rate him. I think he's a very good player. Um, I think he makes Sevilla's midfield tick. I think he was one of the most successful players for them this season. I think he's someone that is is probably going to be underrated by a lot of the Arsenal fan base because they don't know enough or haven't seen enough about him. I also think that goes for someone like Guido uh, Rodriguez at Real Betis, the Argentinian that we were linked to recently. He is another player that I think is very good but because he's not fashionable or he's not got a very high rating on FIFA, some people very just like turn a blind eye to him and think, no, this guy's not good enough. But when you actually have a look at the statistics of these players, you look at how good they are and you watch them, you maybe you realise actually they are quite good. And Real Betis tend to actually kind of bring through and identify some, some decent players and some really horrible ones. So it's a 50-50, I suppose. Uh, Eric says, how are we all forgetting that Xhaka isn't good? He has had a few good games, but that only papers over the cracks that is the most passed player in the Premier League. We need to replace him with actual talent. Eric, again, I think this is something that I've written about previously. The perception of Granite Xhaka based on mistakes he makes covers up hugely all of the good things about his game. He makes a mistake. He's, I think he's made eight mistakes since joining us, which led to goals. Eight mistakes across those five, six seasons. You're looking at just, you're looking at under two mistakes a season, which ultimately, when you look at his mistakes that have led to goals, very few are like the Burnley one. And a lot of them, a lot of stuff happens afterwards, which should also be stopped. Granite Jack has been integral to us. He, he has been so much better than people give him credit for. And the point of the Granite Jacker example is that he is the benchmark, he is the minimum. Granite Jacker is the minimum. I'm not going. This guy is world-class. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that this is the minimum what I expect for Arsenal to go out and sign a player for. If you come out with a name here, there, and everywhere, but they're not better than Granit Xhaka, I'm not interested. That's not what I think Arsenal needs. We need to bring in a player that improves on what we have. I'll keep saying it to the Cats come home. Is that the same? I think it is. So it's it's just very simple for me. that If you're not better than Granit Xhaka, we're not signing you. 
because that's the benchmark. That's what it needs to be. Uh, fair play, Eric. I appreciate the response, mate. Uh, Juro says, Tom, do you know of any Kazula-type players that we might sign? I really think that's the type of player we should go for. And Juro, I think that you make a really good point. A, a, a mobile guy, a technical player, a really quick passer that can keep Arsenal ticking and moving forwards. Effectively, a more diminutive, faster Granite Xhaka that doesn't have the mistake in him defensively and plays a little bit further forward is what you're looking for. I really believe Fabian Ruiz can be that player. He's not necessarily diminutive. He's quite, he's quite tall. But he's got the elegance of Cazorla. He's got the play of Cazorla. His passing is very similar. I like him as a player. I think that he's someone that would really fill that role. But at the end of the day, I really don't like comparing players to like previous incarnations of players, like saying the next Vieira, the next whatever. Because Santi Cazorla was special. He was such, he was a world class player that we had that we managed to snatch from Malaga for a very minimal fee. And he became a world class midfielder for us and arguably my favorite player of the Emirates era. And I look at him and I go, yes, Arsenal need this guy again. But finding someone of that level, of that technique and skill, is near impossible. So you need to be looking at what Arsenal needs, which I'd say, yes, Kazola qualities that he has, a player like that, great. But you're not going to find a Kazola, like you're not going to find someone equal or the equivalent of him. It's it's just not feasible. It's not realistic. The Pelo says, isn't Awar quite similar? The problem I have with Awar is that the difference in, in style, technical ability, sure, all that. It's the attitude, it's the game style, it's how he acts on the pitch when Leon play badly. And now I've actually followed up the thoughts of Jeremy Smith and watched Leon play. When Leon are bad, Awar is bad. If Arsenal are bad, I want someone that takes the team by the scruff of the neck and drags them forward. I want a Martin Erdegaard style attitude that when we are poor, they drag us forward. And we're adding those players, Partey, Gabriel, Tierney, Erdegaard. These are the types of characters that we need. And I'm not sure that Awar fits that bill. Isowa, are you questioning whether the fact that Santi Cazorla is a world-class midfielder? Because if you are, shame on you, son. Shame on you. Because definitely Cazorla was world-class. I'm having no arguments. He played in the era of the Spanish national team with Xavi, Iniesta and Busquets. And he still got called up. And he was still playing. If you don't need anything else to convince you that he is world-class, I, I don't know what to tell you. Cazorla was world-class. Fact. Absolute fact. Uh, William Gustafsson says, what about Nabil Fakir as a possible player that would go into our number 10 role? He, I actually wrote, I oh, know, I feel like, please tell me if I sound like such a not sometimes. The amount of times I say, I wrote an article about this, but it is just funny the amount of times I have written about this and people ask these questions. Yesterday, yesterday, yes, yesterday, I released a piece which compared directly Martin Erdegaard and Nabil Fakir. And Nabil Fakir has scored one more goal this season than Erdogan. And his style is a lot more direct than Erdogan's. He's got six assists, three goals, and Erdogan's got two goals. And so far, somehow, hasn't got a single assist for Arsenal this season. But his performances and how influential he is on the pitch is showing. But Fakir is a lot more kind of direct style of player where he really drives at opposition. He finds himself in the box a lot more. You look at the two heat maps in comparison... In fact, I might even be able to show you the two heat maps if I've still got them on my computer because um, I was comparing. Yes, I do. I can actually show you the two heat maps of Erdogan and Fakir side by side. Just bear with me one second. 
and I'll get it up on the screen for you. Here we go. Three, two, one. So on the left, uh, we've got uh, Martin Erdegaard, and on the right, we've got Nabil Fakir. Obviously, Fakir's played a lot more this season. That's why you see a lot more of his heat map. But in the same sense that Fakir drifts more over to the, the left-hand side, whereas Erdegaard is, is more... Sorry. Fakir has the tendency to also go to the left, still plays more right, but he covers more of the pitch. Erdogan actually transitions more to the right-hand side. That probably comes from the fact that he's played a lot of his career in Holland on loan, playing as a right winger. So he's naturally had that. When you look at Fakir's style, he's a lot more forward, like forward momentum running, getting into the wide area as well to make crosses. That's that's the difference between the two. Erdogan is very much your number 10 style, edge of the box, wants to orchestrate, pull the strings from the edge of the box, find those key passes like he has done several times. That's what he's looking to do. Fakir's a lot more direct, tries to score a few more goals, and is more of a second striker than he is necessarily a number 10. So that's that's the difference between the two. So I hope that helps. Uh, Yo says, has Fakir been in the French team since moving to Betis? I don't think so. Um, but don't quote me on that. You'll have to check that out. I'm not sure if he has or not, but... He has done very well since moving to Betis. He's been one of their, if not their best player at Betis since moving there, along with the likes of Rodriguez, etc., and Firpo before he moved to Barcelona. Like he, he has been one of their best players and one of their better signings of the last ten years. And, for, and and Betis are very up and down with the signings that they make, but he has certainly been one of the better ones. And they got him for around eighteen million, and supposedly. According to Charles Watts, Arsenal will be able to get him for about 26 million, which is also very good considering the fact he's 27, he's in his prime. If it wasn't Erdogan and we got Fakir, I would not be unhappy with that whatsoever. Uh, Tom says Fakir is injury prone. Again, any player that suffered a big knee injury, he suffered a big knee injury in 15-16 and he missed like over 200 days of football. Since then, he has not suffered any serious injuries. He's missed a few games here and there, one or two. He's never gone more. At Betis, he's never missed more than two consecutive games at Betis. He's, and he's been there for a couple of seasons now, and he's never missed more than two games in a row. So when you're thinking about that, it's, it's not something that I'd be too concerned about in terms of his injuries, because the way that the people recover from ACLs now and the way that he has... It's definitely been on the more positive side of things. So, no, I wouldn't call him an injury-prone player right now. Um, and, yeah, Spikey points out the fact that he he linked up very well with Lacazette at Lyon, and those two would maybe be able to recapture that chemistry that they once had. Machiavelli says, has the Draxler ship sailed yet? What do you think? <laughs> yes, it certainly has. Uh, Robin says, what do you think of Coutinho of Erdogan Leeds? Coutinho, again, is someone we've talked about a lot last summer. I personally think the wages, what it would cost to bring him in, would probably not equate to what he's able to give you. He's missed a lot of this season through injury, so there's that to consider. I think we're much better off going for someone in a different kind of, just a different player. I I, I struggle with the Coutinho one, for me. I just have a lot of financial queries that go with that one. Um, Yo says, didn't Liverpool reject him due to failing the medical? Yeah, he basically, there was a... Uh, <laughs> He had the knee injury issue, like, I think a year prior to that. Um, and so Liverpool basically said, like, no, we're not going to go for you because um, because you failed the medical, obviously. But that's that's a very long time ago um, and not something that you should get hung up about because it's about three, four years ago now. Um, George says, I'm liking the look of Coop Miners this season. Definitely an upgrade on Xhaka. I definitely think he's on par, if not slightly higher than him. So, yeah, I would definitely go for Coop Miners. I think he's very good. 
Uh, Juro says Partey was rarely injured before coming to us, which is also a good point just because a player has been injured there doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be injured here. And if a player has never been injured before, doesn't mean they're never going to be injured at Arsenal. Injuries are, at the end of the day, luck. It's all down to luck. It's not something you can preempt, rarely. It's really difficult. So unless they have barely played any games in the last, like, two years, then maybe you got a case. But beyond that, I think maybe just, you know, let it, let it slide. Jubilani says, would you be happy if we prioritise players who have come to the end of their contracts? like Patrick Van Arnholt, Brian Bertrand, so we can secure an Odson Edouard who would be on the cheap, Basuma and Jack Grealish. Uh, I think that, yes, it's, it's an area that we should do for our backup positions. I think the, the left-back position of Bertrand, of Van Arnholt, I think that is absolutely fine for a backup position. I think a backup goalkeeper to Leno also go down that same sort of route. Look for someone you can get cheaply, but is still decent quality to come in and be that. So you can then put your finances in the areas that really matter. That's that's ultimately. Dar Druid says, Pats and Dakar, please. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, Pats and Dakar is someone that I like a lot. Striker is a position that I think there's there's still scope that maybe striker gets pushed to summer of 22 rather than this summer because I think there are other positions in the midfield and defence that will take more of a priority than the striking role. So he says, Tom, would you like us to extend Lacquer's contract? Did not know if you had already covered this before. Side, we have. There's actually a whole show on it, so go and watch the show where we talk about uh, Lacquer and extending his contract. Uh, Vinny Eagle says, centre midfield, Defo needs to be prioritised. For me, I would like to see Torreira brought back in, who I really rate. Our centre mid should be Partey and Torreira and Xhaka, plus a new quality centre midfielder. Definitely. Daniel Roberts says, Emil Smith-Rowe's new deal is urgent. Agreed. Machiavelli says, regarding injuries, why don't we look at championship players? They play a lot more games than the Premier League teams and should be injury pro and shouldn't be more injury pro. So they can handle the fixture congestion. Possibly. It's a good point. They do play a lot of games, but you have to think about the fact that they're not playing European football, Machiavelli. Like they play a lot more league games, but Premier League teams and European teams have to play in the European competition. So arguably, we probably end up playing around the same amount of games. Uh, Eric says, could you imagine Saka, Martinelli and Pepe as a front three? Maybe one day. Um, and could you imagine Arteta actually giving them a run of form? Anything's possible, Eric, in the future. I mean, Martinelli in the middle is something that I'd, I'd like to see tested, given a chance, um, and maybe something they're working towards. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. I really like Emil Smith-Rowe and Erdogan playing together. I think it makes our attack the most fluid, the most creative, the most dynamic. I think it's something that we should look to persist with where possible. Um uh, and George Davis says you should check out Rydal Baku at Wolfsburg playing the majority of games as right mid this season but most of his appearances in his career have been at right back so he can play there George I already have he's an excellent player he's obviously being at Mainz he played a lot of his career in the centre of midfield at Mainz and then moved to Wolfsburg where he's kind of covered for uh, Mbabu when Mbabu was injured with his long-term injury. And then when Mbabu came back and played at right back, Baku went out and played right midfield ahead of him quite a lot. But yeah, Drew raves about him. He's already in the German international setup, uh, youth-wise, and really knocking on the door of the, the senior team. The question I would have is defensively, how good is he? How Can he cover kind of that side of things as well as he has done going forwards? He's really good going forwards. The defensive side is, is where I've got more questions about Baku, but another one that I've included in one of the articles. So there you go. That's going to conclude today's show. We've gone over 40 minutes today, which is a lot longer than I was intending on doing. But when we end up talking about other players from elsewhere, you know, it kind of goes off on a little bit of a tangent. If you've enjoyed the show, please drop a like on the video, guys. I'm really looking forward to showing you all the stuff that's coming. It's going to make this show the background 
this is going to look a lot more professional and, and everything else very soon. And that all comes to the massive thanks of our members who I really genuinely appreciate the support they give us every single month um, with everything that they provide. So we've given away some prizes yesterday to Dan and Kian, so they're going to be on their way this week. I'm going to try and get out to the post office, but, you know, pandemic problems, so we'll see what happens. But fingers crossed and get out those, those prizes out to you from yesterday's show. Um, but we'll be back tomorrow, 5 p.m. UK time with Lee Judges. Me and him are going to be having a chat. I know that we've got a few things we don't necessarily agree on, so it could be quite interesting. We'll see how things go. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and beyond every single day, you get Arsenal content here, and I intend to give that every single day as much as feasibly possible. Eventually, I will have to take a break, but it's not coming anytime soon. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. I'm going to stop talking because I need to take a breath in a second, but it's been a pleasure as always. And as always, I'll be Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.